Hello and welcome to this podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time covering the business week ended 29th July 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This time, BMS's new products meet early expectations, AZI to shut a US unit in global R&D restructuring, Roche aims high for Verbismo, US priority review for Biogen's ALS contender, and a chat with Genova's CEO. Even with second-quarter sales of its former top-seller Revlimid down 22% from Q2 of last year due to generic competition in the US and the EU, Bristol-Myers Squibb reported total revenue of $11.89 billion on 27th July, beating analyst consensus of $11.42 billion for the quarter. Blockbusters, including Eliquis and Opdivo, accounted for most of the dollar growth, but newer products saw big percentage gains and had encouraging initial launches. But while BMS still expects growth for its inline and new product portfolio, with no change in its guidance of 9 to $9.5 billion in Revlimid sales in 2022, the company adjusted down slightly its full-year guidance for total revenue to $46 billion due to currency fluctuations. Mandy Daxon writes the oral anticoagulant Eliquis has replaced Revlimid as Bristol's top-selling product with $3.2 billion in Q2 sales, up 16% from the year-ago quarter. PD-1 inhibitor Opadivo, with the sales up 8% at $2.1 billion, follows Revlimid, which was at $2.5 billion in the second quarter. Chief Commercialization Officer Chris Berner said during the company's same-day earnings call that Opduolag, the fixed-dose combination product comprised of Opadivo and the LAG3 inhibitor Bilatlimab, did take some sales away from Opadivo and to a lesser extent from BMS's CTLA-4 inhibitor Yervoy during the quarter. Opadurolac was approved in the US in March as a first-line treatment for unresectable or metastatic melanoma. The drug generated $58 million in Q2 sales and recently received a positive opinion in the EU. Opadurolac is one of the drugs that BMS includes in its forecast of $25 billion plus in new annual revenue in 2029 from new launches, with guidance of $4 billion plus in Opadurolac sales across multiple indications, filling some of the revenue gap that will open up in the company's immuno-oncology portfolio when Opadivo goes off patent later in this decade. Anemia drug Reblozil, which was approved in the US for adults with beta thalassemia and myelodysplastic syndromes, with ring sideroblasts, generated $172 million in the second quarter, up 34% year-over-year. And Camzios had $3 million in Q2 sales after its FDA approval in April to treat obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. BMS is supplying Camzios to most patients at no cost while it negotiates with payers to get the drug covered on their formularies. Azi has decided to shut down US research subsidiary H3 Biomedicine in September as part of a wider restructuring of its global R&D organisation. According to an official notice of layoffs published by the state of Massachusetts where H3 is located, 79 employees will be laid off in connection with the decision. The Japanese firm's Nutley, New Jersey-based US headquarters, Azi Inc., will absorb H3's R&D, remaining functions and assets by the end of this year. As part of the global R&D realignment, Lisa Takagi writes, Azai said it would move to a new organisation under the concept of deep human biology learning. 
The firm confirmed to script that some parts of H3's functions would be transferred to DHBL, which it noted would officially start full operations from 1st October. According to an ASI spokesperson, the firm decided to close H3 in the course of building the DHBL organisation as the result of considering more productive and cost-effective asset allocation. Azai's H3 subsidiary was founded in 2010 in Cambridge, Massachusetts, with a specialised focus on the oncology area and has progressed several clinical stage assets in the Phase 1 or 2 stage. The majority of H3's employees will leave Azai and the new company will provide assistance in moving to other internal roles or finding new jobs. H3's main R&D functions and assets, including its drug discovery platform, will be absorbed into Azai Inc., and the company confirmed to script that H3's collaborative immuno-oncology R&D project with BMS, which has been running since 2018, will continue within the ASI group. DHBL will have five domain areas based around neurology and oncology, and five functions will support the five domains at each development stage. The overarching aim is that diseases will be viewed as a disease continuum, and comprehensive analysis of genomic information pathophysiological information and clinical information associated with the root cause of the disease is the first step in redefining the disease concept, as I said. Another hope is that decision-making will be speeded up. In contrast, another major Japanese pharma firm, Astellas, announced the construction of a new US R&D campus in South San Francisco to be completed and operational in the summer of 2023. The 154,000-square-foot, $70 million integrated centre will bring together teams and functions, including in cell and gene therapies, which are currently located at different sites in the Bay Area, such as Astellas Gene Therapies and Xiphos Biosciences. Roche's new ophthalmology drug, Verbismo, is off to a strong launch, and management is teeing it up to be a new blockbuster. During the company's mid-year financial review on 21st July, CEO Severin Schwann and his pharmaceutical CEO William Anderson crowed about the initial uptake of the drug in its first few months on the market. Schwann likened his excitement about Vibismo to the early launch of Vicrevus, the multiple sclerosis drug that grew into a fast blockbuster and is now the company's top seller. Fibismo was approved by the US FDA in January as the first bispecific antibody for wet age-related macular degeneration and diabetic macular edema and requires less frequent injections into the eye. Jessica Mel writes Fibismo generated 109 million Swiss francs or about $112.3 million in the first six months of 2022 and Anderson said the sales momentum has picked up even more recently with the drug having reached an annual run rate of 500 million Swiss francs as of June in the US alone. More recently, the product has been approved and is being reimbursed in Japan and the UK. We are super excited by the momentum here on this launch, Anderson told the earnings call. The majority of patients being treated with Verbismo are switching from ILEA, about 60 to 70% according to Roche, while a smaller number are switching from Lucentis and the fewest patients are treatment naive. But one of the hurdles facing Verbismo is that the drug is competing against mature medicines, which could put pressure on pricing. The first biosimilar version of Lucentis recently launched in the US, marketed by Biogen and Samsung Bioepis as Biuvis, and sold at a 40% discount to the brand.
Roche is counting on Verbismo and other new growth drivers to return the company to steady growth after a challenging period of loss of exclusivity, including Rituxan, Herceptin and Avacyn. Those losses still accounted for about 1 billion Swiss francs in lost revenue in the first half of 2022 compared to 2021, but the pressure is easing as those losses move into the rearview mirror. Jessica also writes in another story that the US FDA has accepted a new drug application for Biogen's Tofersen for superoxide dismutase 1 amyotrophic lateral sclerosis based on a novel surrogate biomarker, a decision that surprised investors coming after a phase 3 clinical trial failure and echoing some elements of the controversial review and approval of Aduhelm. The FDA granted priority review for the application and set an action date of 25th January next year, Biogen announced on 26th of July. The news means Biogen could have an unexpected new commercial drug on the market early next year, although Tefersen is targeted to an ultra-niche patient population. It could be the first genetically targeted treatment for ALS to reach the market. Approval is far from guaranteed, however, and Biogen's experience last year with the approval of Adihelm based on biomarker efficacy and the Alzheimer's drug's travel launch is evidence that getting a new drug across the regulatory hurdle alone is not enough to guarantee commercial success. The FDA's decision to review Tefersen is reminiscent of the Adihelm path to approval in that it was unanticipated by investors and followed uncertain clinical trial data based largely on surrogate biomarkers rather than predefined clinical endpoints. Tefersen is targeted to a small subset of ALS patients, those with mutations in the SOD1 gene, who are responsible for only 2% of the estimated 168,000 cases of ALS globally. The results of the open-label extension to the Phase 3 Valor study showed that patients who initiated Tefersen earlier versus those initially on placebo, who later switched to Tefersen, showed a decline in measures of clinical and respiratory function, and that the treatment resulted in robust and sustained reductions in neurofilament, a marker of axonal injury and neurodegeneration, according to Biogen. However, the study failed to meet the primary endpoint, although it did include a trend toward efficacy across various secondary endpoints and exploratory measures of biological activity and clinical function. Biogen is seeking an accelerated approval of the person based on neurofilament light chain as a surrogate biomarker that could predict clinical benefit. However, neurofilament is not firmly established by the US FDA as a biomarker for ALS, adding to the uncertainty. Finally, in a podcast audio interview with Scripps Viva Ravi, Sanjay Singh, founder and CEO of Genova Biopharmaceuticals, says, In science, nobody can say no to any possibility. It's perhaps this belief that led him and his team to develop India's first and the world's third mRNA vaccine. Before he set up Genova in 2006, Singh's drive to development treatments for diseases like malaria led to a stint at the National Institutes of Health in the U.S., where he headed the antigen research section at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and helped progress four recombinant vaccine candidates into the clinic. 
Armed with a PhD in biochemistry and global research experience, he then focused on establishing innovative biomanufacturing technologies at Genova, which led to commercialization of seven biotherapeutics in the cardiovascular, neurology, nephrology and oncology segments. Singh counts the launch of biosimilar tenecteplase at about one-third the price of Innovator Roche's drug in India as a significant moment and one that has helped save millions of lives. The company secured a patent for a novel process to develop the drug against myocardial infarction in multiple countries, including the US. An additional patent for a new indication, acute ischemic stroke, was also granted in 38 countries, including the US. During the audio interview, he speaks on a host of topics, including funding prospects as the company seeks to expand manufacturing capacity and trials of Genova's Omicron-targeted COVID vaccine in India. Take a listen to the podcast, which, like this, is available on the Pharma Intelligence channel across multiple platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn and Spotify Podcasts. That's all for this week. Thanks, as always, for listening. All the articles mentioned here are linked in the article accompanying this podcast and form just a fraction of the content in script last week. Log in to access or take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.